today, let's talk about sex. I don't even need an intro for this message, do I? You guys are all engaged already, right? Online, in person. Let's talk about sex today. That's what we are doing in our series update required. And I have to just clarify two things because somebody came up to me and I'm like, Matt, I'm so excited you're going to talk about gender. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Oh, the message on sex. Okay. No, no, we're talking about sex today. This isn't a message about gender and all that stuff. So um, stay tuned. We'll do that sometime in the future. But that's not what this message is about. It's about sex. And some, somebody also was like, oh, so are we talking about like homosexuality? Well, not directly in this message. We're not. I have given a message that speaks more specifically about that, and it was in our series where grace and truth collide a couple years ago. So that message was called Sex, Lies, and Jesus. Isn't that a good title? I like that title when I came up with it, Sex, Lies, and Jesus. So if you're interested, you can hear what Jesus says about sexuality. That's on the link. We, we have the link for that and a lot of the resources that we're going to be talking about um, in this whole series on our Update Required page. So if you go to risedenver.com slash update required, you can find links to videos, to um, messages, to that message, to books, to articles. Um, even there's a, a conference on sexuality coming up at Denver Seminary here at the end of the month. So there's really cool links. So go to that page, and you'll find stuff for the whole series. But you can look under particular this message to find some of those links. So, but, but I am going to say, because I feel like I need to say it to preface, preface everything else, is that the Bible teaches one form of sexuality. That, that one thing is the way that God created and intended, and it goes from Genesis all the way to Jesus and beyond. And, and that one way is biblical sexuality that God gave man and woman, and that when man was just alone, it was not good. The only thing in all creation was not good for man to be alone. He created woman to be his complement. And when they come together, it says at the end of Genesis chapter 2, the first pages of the Bible, the two became one flesh. So that's what marriage, one man, one woman, in a covenant of marriage for a lifetime. That's what God has created for us, and it's a beautiful thing, created for all people, not just Christians, um, that marriage is great. So if you're here and you're like, well, Matt, you know, I, I don't know if I agree with you on that, that's fine, okay? And I don't want you to tune me out. I don't want you to turn me off right now because this message is not about that per, per se. What it's about is how to deal with our world that's very sexualized. So even if you disagree with me, you disagree with Jesus and the Bible, that's, that's okay. We love you. We want you to be here. This is going to be a very helpful message for you. Okay? So that's why I'm getting that out of the way right up front so we can talk about how we can deal with the world we live in. Because I think we do need an update for this day and age. And I say that because whether you have a biblical viewpoint on marriage and sexuality or you don't, every single one of us, every single one of us knows that there are certain things about sexuality that are out of bounds. So from a biblical standpoint, you'd say, well... Sex was created for marriage between one man and one woman, so anything outside of that is sin, period. That's a lot of stuff, right? That's the way. So if you're wondering, well, what about that, Matt? Yes, it's sin, okay? That, that's what it is. So this is a covenant, and here are these boundaries that God has created for what's good, and it's good in there. So those are the boundaries from a biblical perspective. Say you don't agree with the biblical perspective. You have a societal perspective. Our society, for at least for today, it'll probably change tomorrow, has a, come to a consensus, it seems like, right now, about what are the boundaries. And yes, there are boundaries to sexuality in our society. And it goes something like this. It says, whatever happens between two consenting adults is okay. Right? That's what you hear. Or not even two, I guess just consenting adults. Okay, you can throw out two. Whatever happens between consenting adults. See, that's something that changed over the last few years, right? Whatever happens between consenting adults. But there's two boundaries within that rule. Like, there are rules for our society. Consenting adults. Consenting and adults, okay? So we're saying that if there's not consent, it's not okay. It's inappropriate. It's bad. It's sin, right? And if it's not adults, it's sin, okay? And it's interesting because if you look 
throughout history in our country and in other countries today, those two rules don't always apply in every society. So I'm saying that to help you realize that society changes all the time. But if you're like, well, that's what I believe, I think that's right, okay, you still have some boundaries. Consent and adults, correct? So I, I say that because every single human being that I have ever met, maybe you're the exception, but I doubt it, every single human being I've ever met has some sexual desire that's outside of the lines. They have thoughts in their head. Maybe you might be like, well, I'd never act on it. Yeah, but you have thoughts in your head. And when those thoughts come into our head and it leads to desire in our hearts and then leads to action in our body, every single human being, and I've counseled a lot of people, everybody has thoughts that are outside of those boundaries, the biblical ones. And you might say, well, I've never had about those things. Well, that's good, okay. But everybody has sexual desires because you get married and you think about someone outside of your spouse, okay? That's outside the boundaries even for people that say, well, you know, two consenting adults, right? So everybody has sexual thoughts and desires that they have to say that's not okay, that's not a good thought. Okay, everybody has that. So how do we deal with it? So that's why I said don't turn off this message for anybody, okay? Nobody should turn off this message online, okay? Whether you have a biblical perspective or a societal perspective, we all know that there are things outside of bounds. So how do we stay within the bounds of what is good and what's right? And I say this because even if you're an atheist, you know that there are certain things that are right and certain things that are wrong when it comes to sexuality. There's a philosopher, and he wrote this article. He has a, a, some books on it, but this article was in the Wall Street Journal. And he's an atheist, Alain de Baton, I think is how you... I don't know how to pronounce it. He's a British um, philosopher, and he said this, atheist. He says, religions may be mocked for being prudish, but far from it. Insofar as religions warn us against sex, it is out of inactive awareness of the charms and powers of desire. He goes on, even if we no longer believe in a deity, a degree of repression is seemingly necessary to our species and to the adequate functioning of a halfway ordered and loving society. We need boundaries when it comes to sexuality. And he concludes by saying, because we have to go to work, commit ourselves to relationships, care for our children, and explore our own minds, we cannot allow our sexual urges to express themselves without limit. Online or otherwise, it would destroy us. Unbeliever, atheist, he says, if everybody gave into all their sexual urges, it would be a terrible society for you and everyone else. So that's why you don't even have to be a believer today. This is going to be a helpful message for you. It's going to be a helpful message for everyone because we have to learn how do I protect my path? There are paths we go down in life. How do I make sure my path is the good one and I don't stray into something that is bad? that hurts other people, that hurts myself, that leads to destruction? How do I protect my path? So simple big idea today. You guys ready for this? Don't go there. I'm serious. Don't go there. Okay, you might be like, what? We'll explain why this is important. But I'm saying don't go there, and, and we'll see how that there's these paths that are laid out in front of us, and we have to choose. Don't go there. We have to choose the right path. And this is so important. We're going to pick up this wisdom from Proverbs chapter 5. So if you have Bibles, you can already go ahead and turn there. Or in the YouVersion um, uh, Bible app, you can find our Arise Church Denver event and look at the scriptures. But what we see, and the reason why we're doing this is in our Update Required series, is because, yes, sexual temptation has always been around forever, but now it's in our pockets, <laughs> in our phones, right? It's everywhere. It's not like you have to go to a porn store, you have to go have an affair. Like, it's there with you everywhere. There are images, 
It's on TV and movies, you know, whether it's Netflix, whether it's a dating app. Like, temptation is everywhere now, and it's in your pocket. There's images in Instagram that you shouldn't see. You get a direct message from somebody. You, you see someone that you're like, oh, yeah, I knew you back in high school. Whoa, you know. Okay, so all these things are around us all the time. I, I just want to talk specifically for a second about pornography, because this is the, one, the thing that's maybe the most um, in-depth over the last 10 years is how it changed so that we have these smartphones in our pockets. That um, today, three out of the top 10 websites in the world are porn websites. It's like up there with Amazon, Facebook. Three of the top 10 websites are pornography. Over 40 million Americans are regular visitors to porn sites. The porn industry's annual revenue, according to one report, is more than the NFL, NBA, and MLB combined. And, and this is why it's important to us. 47% of families report, they self-report, that porn is a problem in their home. 55% of married men and 25% of married women say that they watch porn at least once a month. For our kids, we said this last week, 11 is now the average age where a kid is first exposed to pornography. Average. That by the age of 14, 94% of kids have seen pornography. 10% are addicted by the age of 13. Nearly 40% of children have sent or received a sext by the age of 13. And this isn't just a men's issue. 33% of women age 25 and under search for porn at least once a month. It's one out of three young women. And what it really does is it starts to shape relationships too. Girls, young girls, report that they have to watch porn so that they know what the expectations are of boys. Expectations. But as, as one commentator said, that's like learning how to drive by watching Fast and the Furious. Okay? Probably not a good idea. Okay? So, so we're going to talk a lot about how, what pornography does and why it's a bad idea, because some of you already are thinking, like, well, Matt, why does that even matter? But it does shape our lives and our relationships, and we're going to see that it has a lot of consequences, porn and all this sexual sin, because we're saying anything that's out of bounds, whatever that thing is, and hopefully you will follow God's way. But we need help how to protect our past. So we're going to see in Proverbs chapter 5 some great wisdom. So we're going to start in verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 5. It says, My son... Pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. He starts out by saying, my son. The book of Proverbs in general, and this chapter in particular, are written as a father to a son. And we get to overhear it, so it really is for everybody, but it's a father saying, I love you, son. I want the best path for your life. Maybe it's even saying, I tried some other paths, don't go down those. Or I've seen other people go down these paths. Don't do it. My son, I want to help you out. I got some wisdom for your life to help you so that you can have some discretion. And I say that and I focus on that because this passage is for young men in particular, isn't it? My son. So if you're a young man, this message is for you. Maybe more than anybody else. Listen to me. Online, listen to me. If you know a young man, maybe share this message with somebody, right? It's for young men. Now, I, I know that older men can benefit a lot from this, right? And women, no matter your age, can benefit a lot from this. So we're all going to get that. But this message in particular is for young men. To say, hey, you got to watch yourselves. you got to be careful. And, and he goes on in verse 3. He's teaching this wisdom, the father, to the son. He says, for the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. 
and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. So this is the imagery of the adulterous woman. It's actually something that kind of occurs again and again through Proverbs. And you, you might think, oh my gosh, is it talking about some woman that they know? No, this is like a general imagery for the adulterous woman. And it really means any sexual desire that's outside of bounds. So that's why it applies particularly to young men, but everybody can think of, okay, what's that sexual desire that I might have or I've had in the past that say that's, that's not okay, that's wrong. If you have some temptation at all towards those things, that's what you need to think of when he's talking about the adulterous woman. And he says what it is, it, the, the lips drip honey. She's attractive. She's sensual. Something that you want. I desire that sweetness. It looks so good. Her speech is smoother than oil. When she talks, I don't know, I just melt, right? She's attractive, something that you desire. But in the end, he says, she is bitter as gall. She's poisonous. Tastes good on the lips, and it'll kill you going down. Sharp as a double-edged sword. The father is saying, look at the adulterous woman, this sexual temptation that's out there, and he's saying, don't go there, right? Don't go there. You see her, don't go near her. Don't go there. She, she may seem attractive. In that moment, you might go, oh my gosh, I gotta have her. You need that honey. Okay? It's bad, it's poison. It's gonna hurt you. He's trying to warn her. It says in, in verse five, her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. So I told you there's this imagery really, and it's throughout Proverbs and the Bible that there's two different paths we can choose in life. That we can choose the path, whether it's here of the adulterous woman, there's sexual temptation, there's sinful temptation. And guess what? This is the path that most people choose. You look at the statistics in our society, most people are choosing this. If you're a normal person in our society, you choose that. Even the things that our society says are off limits, people choose that even though it might destroy their lives. But there's another path that the father here is saying, son, choose this path. There's a better path. There's a better way. Jesus said something similar, didn't he? When he said, wide is the gate and, and broad is the path that leads to destruction and many choose it. Jesus said that. He says, but, but small is the gate and narrow is the way to eternal life and few choose it. So if you want the path of life, the path of something better, you have to choose that path, and it's going to be difficult. So our message is having that imagery of protect your path. Don't go there. <laughs> don't go there. Even if everybody else is going there, don't go there. Because the Father is saying, I want something better for you, son. And I'm saying, as your pastor, I want something better for you. I love you. I care for you. And I want the best for your life. And that's why I'm teaching you what God says in his word. So choose the better path, and don't go there. Don't go there. And now he's going to explain why we shouldn't go there. Why we shouldn't go there. Verse 8, um, if we can look at verse 8. You moved it, didn't you? Okay, there we go. I, I skipped this one in the first service, so she's got it. Okay, good. Just want, want you guys to get this. We're going to come back to it. But it says, keep to a path far from her, the adulterous woman. Keep to a path. Choose the better path. Do not go near the door of her house. And in verse 9, here's the first consequence that he talks about. Lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. So he's starting out by talking about the personal consequences of sexual sin. 
says you can choose it, and you can choose this sexual sin, but when you do it, you're giving up your honor. And I say that because a lot of people look at Christianity and think, oh, they're always just telling women to cover up, and it's all about women. No, no, no. The Bible's saying men, young men, step it up. Choose honor. The way of honor is not to look at women and objectify them. It's not to, to look down on them. I mean, we have such a problem in our society, don't we? With young men mistreating women. It's messed up. We need to realize that self-control is the way to honor. It's by saying no to our sexual urges if you want to be a man that's respected. You have to say no and choose the right path to respect women, to not objectify them, to not mistreat them. We need to see that there are personal consequences if we choose sexual sin. Choose honor. So that's the first thing. You'll be dishonored. You'll be not a person of character, not a person of respect, if you choose sexual sin and to give in to all your sexual urges. There's personal consequences. But the father goes on. He, he says in, in verse 10, lest strangers feast on your wealth, okay? Feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. He says there are financial consequences to sexual sin. Okay, you don't even have to be a believer, right? You're like, oh yeah, there are financial consequences. In the case of adultery, if you choose adultery and it ends up in a divorce, you're going to lose half your assets, right? You might have to pay child support. I remember talking with a guy who had been through two divorces, had several kids, and he's like, I can barely afford to live anymore because all my paycheck has gone to child support. I'm like, yeah, there are financial consequences to sexual sin. I don't know if you guys saw this, but one of the worst financial decisions ever was made a couple years ago, actually in the last couple years. Did anybody see it? There was a CEO that made a decision that cost him $37 billion. That's billion with a B. Do you know who I'm talking about? Bezos. Jeff Bezos, okay? People revere him. He's going to have an autobiography about how he's one of the greatest businessmen ever. One of the worst business decisions and financial decisions in human history was made recently. Lost $37 billion. Do you know how he did it? He had an affair that led to a divorce, and his wife took a bunch. <laughs> $37 billion worth. Now, if a CEO made that decision for his company, he would be canned in an instant, right? Be considered one of the worst CEOs of human history. Yet, for some reason in his personal life, people don't even just ignore it and pretend like it didn't happen. I mean, some people like the tabloid stuff of it, right? But, but Bezos, one of the worst financial decisions in human history was made because he was thinking not with his brain. Because he couldn't keep it in his pants. There are financial consequences to sexual sin financial consequences. And I, I want to say this, because some people it, it stop right there and say, well, that's why I'm not going to get married so I don't have to get a divorce. But here's the reality. If you live together with someone, you will have to get divorced if you break up, even if you're not married. There are just as many financial consequences. Okay? You gotta, who's going to get the dog, right? You can't split the dog in half, right? You still have to figure out who's going to have who's friends, right? That, that's what happens if you live together before marriage. Or, or without a marriage, and you're like, oh, I'll never get married. I've talked to people, oh, I'll never get married. They're still going to have financial consequences. There are financial consequences to sexual sin. So less strangers faced on your wealth. Uh, verse 11, get this. It's not just financial. It says there's emotional and relational consequences too. At the end of your life, verse 11 says, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. You'll groan. Okay? You can just imagine. Why is this person groaning? Because they're alone. They're sad, they're angry, they're, they're older, and, and they're by themselves because of the consequences of sexual sin. 
whether there was the divorce and they, you split up the friends, who's whose friend, right? The family, you're estranged from not only your ex-spouse, you're estranged from kids, perhaps. Old, bitter, and alone. He's saying this is one of the natural consequences for sexual sin. I remember counseling a, a guy who came to me. Love with another woman other than his wife. C- can I leave her? I'm like, well, if you do, this is what's going to happen. You're going to be alone. You're going to not be able to see your kids very much. You're going to have to pay child support, so all your money's going to be gone, right? And you're going to be a stranger. Your kids aren't going to like you. Your spouse, ex-spouse definitely isn't going to like you. Your family going to think you're bad, right? And he's like, oh, I hadn't thought of it, right? Because you don't think with your head when, when you're in lust. It's not love. You don't think with your head, do you? And it leads to all these detrimental consequences to your life. I mean, Jeff Bezos, if he was thinking straight, wouldn't it be like, I think I want to give away $37 billion today. Nobody thinks that way, right? It's foolish. But that's what sexual sin leads us to. And I think that's why, and I want to jump down to verse 20 now, what we see is that sexual sin, starting in our mind, has psychological consequences. Has psychological consequences. The father says, why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? I underline that word intoxicated because it's using the language of getting drunk, of of having something that that seems good, but it controls your mind, right? It changes your mind. Being in lust. They say when people are, you know, we call it in love, that early phase, you need to sleep less. (laughs) Changes your psychological makeup. You think more. It's, It's almost like a drug. And a lot of the psychological studies done over the last 10, 20 years, are finding that. That this idea of being in lust with someone, it's like being on a drug because there you know, is arousal and then there's the release of dopamine in your brain and there's sexual encounters, okay? Which can be an incredibly great thing if it's a spouse that you want to be addicted to for the rest of your life. It's an incredibly bad thing when it's someone or something that it's out of balance. Your brain is getting addicted to those things. They're saying neural pathways are getting developed. And this is why pornography is a, is a dangerous thing. People don't even realize this. But when you, when you look at pornography and you have that release, the release of dopamine, that whatever you're viewing, what you're looking at, you become addicted to that thing eventually. And it happens pretty quickly. It's very similar to drug use. You get addicted to it. And the problem is, is that people do that and they get addicted to someone other than their spouse. And then, for men, they want something more and more novel the more they look at it. So they have to keep chasing things and into weirder and stranger and more bizarre things. This leads to, like, racist sexual desires. This leads to things that are objects, and you, you're like, how could you be interested in that at all? Here's one of the, the scariest things about pornography in our day and age right now. That one study found that 88.2% of sex scenes found on the Internet contain aggression or violence. There's a lot of men and women who are becoming addicted to that in their sexual desire. And because of that, we are reaping the benefits of it in our society negatively. That it has led to much more violence, and it leads people who are viewing that type of pornography into sexual offenses, and almost always the victim of this are women. Are women. There are psychological consequences to even porn use, to all sexual sin. It's an intoxicating thing. It controls your brain, and you're doing things that you never would have done. Nobody wakes up and says, you know what? I want to have an affair. I've been thinking about it for a while. I want to do it. No, no. 
You think, I would never do that. You swear before God and these witnesses, we'll never do it. And then all of a sudden, you see that person. There's an emotional attraction. There's a physical touch. And then all of a sudden, your marriage is over. There's psychological consequences to sexual sin. But even more so, so all of this I think applies to everybody, but this next section is, is going to be apply to people who, who do believe what the Bible says. That there are spiritual consequences to sin. Verse 22 and 23, I want you to see the end of this passage here. The Father says, The evil deeds, the sin of the wicked ensnare them. It's a trap. The cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die. Led astray by their own great folly. There are spiritual consequences to sexual sin. And it says death here. It's not talking about physical death, because we're all going to physically die, right? It's talking about spiritual death. It's talking about a death apart from God that you have, instead of choosing the path God has laid out for us, that's beautiful and amazing and the best path you could ever choose, that's filled with joy, you're choosing another path. And God just lets us pick our path. Isn't that crazy that he's given us the free will to do that? And people choose that path all the way to spiritual death and being apart from God forever. Because if people are choosing that for their lifetime, why would they want to spend eternity with God in heaven and say, no, I, I chose a different path? God just lets them go on their path to spiritual death apart from God forever. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin, it says in Roman, is death. Sexual sin has spiritual consequences. So what do we do about it? What do we do about it? Well, this passage has a couple different answers that we need to learn, to grow, and, and to apply to our digital age that we're in right now. And the first one was back in verse 8. Did you guys notice this? Keep to a path far from her, the adulterous woman. Do not go near the door of her house. Now, this is interesting here because we're talking about wisdom here. The Bible says, okay, adultery is the sin. Having an affair is the sin. But here it's saying wisdom. It's not saying a sin or not sin. It's saying, okay, look at it. It's a sin. Is it a sin to walk on the path to the adulterous woman's house? No. Is it a sin to knock on her door? No. Is it even a sin to talk to her? No. It's only a sin when your mind leads you into the emotional action and into the physical action of adultery. But what the father is saying, hey, son, you think you might be really strong, but as soon as you get to the allure of those honey lips, you're done. You're dead right? So son, step back from there. There's, there's the door. Don't go near the door. Don't even go near the path, right? It's wisdom. Not because it's sin, but because it leads to sin. So I want to be clear about that. What we're talking about today is how can we protect our path in our digital world? Because it used to be you'd have to go to the party late at night and have too many drinks. It used to be that you had to, you know, go physically to the shop to buy pornography, but now it's on our phone. So how can we protect our path? And I say this too, I say this too, because you will encounter sexual temptation in your life. Everyone. Everyone does. Even if you're doing a hundred things right and you're, you're like, I'm, I'm great, I'm going on the right path, got my head down, I'm, you're still going to encounter sexual temptation. But we should limit it as much as possible. Right? You, you guys with me on this? There will be sexual temptation that sometimes hits you in the face, comes in a message, you see the person that you've been friends with Facebook on years, but then they go through a divorce and they're posting some stuff and you're like, whoa, Right? You know who I'm talking about? It, it will be all of a sudden when your marriage is down the road and, and you get that Facebook message from someone you haven't thought about since high school. That's how sexual sin happens. So uh, there is that temptation out there. It's going to happen. 
But we need to do whatever we can to protect our path way back at the start before we ever go near the adulterous woman's house. So in a physical world, that made sense. The father's saying, hey, the adulterous woman, that temptation, don't go anywhere near her house, right? Don't even go down the road, because once you get there, it's harder and harder and harder to say no the closer you get. So start back there, protect your path. So in the digital world, what does that mean? I want to give you guys a few suggestions. And once again, these are just possible applications that you could take from this, and I hope that God and his Holy Spirit will lead you to which ones that you need to do. And we're not saying any of these are sin or not, so if you don't do them, like, you're going to hell. No, I'm just saying these are the ways to protect your path from the sexual sin. So here's a few things. Maybe you need to get rid of your smartphone, right? It's the simplest, and some people are like, I couldn't do that. Yeah, get rid of your smartphone, get a dumb phone. There's one thing you could do. Maybe in your house, especially when you're talking about with your kids and your spouse there, just have one computer that you guys can use in a common area. Doesn't everybody need their devices in their bedroom? No, that's a bad idea. Just have one in the open room that everyone can see what's going on all the time. Here's something you can do is with filters. Our technology, yes, it may lead into a lot of bad sin, but our technology is pretty incredible too. There are incredible filters out there. There are software um, like Covenant Eyes, for example, that can protect you. Uh, it can filter out different things, and it can alert somebody else of your choosing when you're looking at something you're not supposed to. There are also filters you can get on your router. Okay, There are filters now for the full, whole family. I just saw one of these that will limit um, what sites you can go to. It will limit when you can be on it, so at night, all of a sudden, like, the internet's out, right? <laughs> or, you know, it, or it will say, you know, the kids can only go on for an hour or two. Like, you, you can do all that pre-programmed. You don't even have to think about it daily. You're filtering out those things. So if you're interested in any of those things, there's a step-by-step -step guide that I have in the update required page on our website, and it's, the article's called The Porn-Free Family. So there's a step-by-step -step guide how to protect your family. Um, maybe you need to start eliminating some subscriptions. Just because it's called prestige TV doesn't mean it's not porn, okay? Right? There are some things that we don't need to watch. You could just say, hey, we're not going to watch MA. We're not going to watch Rated R. We're not going to get video games that are rated M. Those are just off limits. There's no need. So what if you can't talk about the latest HBO drama with your friends? It's going to be okay. If you're real friends, you'll find something else to talk about. Honestly. There are ways even in Netflix, and I'm sure some other um, subscriptions, uh, that you could say, I don't even want to see anything above rated whatever. And you won't even see it, and you won't even be tempted to watch it, let alone tempted to sin, because you're watching something you shouldn't. Some other th suggestions of what you can do. Perhaps you need to start unfollowing some people. Okay, just because they're your friend from high school doesn't mean you still need to see their racy photos. Okay, maybe you need to get rid of some social accounts. You're like, okay, this account is fine, but man, these images in Instagram are just leading me astray. Okay, just get rid of it. You don't need it. Maybe, and this is something that I don't understand anything about, I don't know much about it, but maybe don't use that dating app. Which one is it? I don't know, but you do. <laughs> okay, I don't know what that app is, but you know there are some apps that lead to a lifelong marriage covenant, and there are some that lead to a one-hour hookup. So don't use that app. You don't need to. Use the other ones, okay? There's, I don't even know, Tinder and, and Match, they're both going to lead to a fire. One's good and one's bad, right? Okay. Pick the one that's good. I, the, and, and these are just some digital things that I'm encouraging you to do to update required. There's also just the lifelong physical things. Okay, don't go to that person's house. Don't go to that party. Don't hang out with that person. Don't have that extra drink. We know that there are some things. We, we need to take the advice of all like the, the medical commercials where we're like, stop heartburn before it starts, right? 
right? I mean, before you, you take the medicine before, okay, that's, that's like what these things are. Protect your path before you even get near it because the closer and closer you get, the harder and harder it is to say no. And then your life starts to unravel and you see all these consequences happening in your life. So protect your path as much as we can. Choose the path of Jesus. Don't even go there. So that's the, the first application is really like protect your path digitally. The second one is that God has given us an amazing relationship where sex can and should be enjoyed. Look at this in verse 20. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 18. We can jump down to verse 18. It says, May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. See, the intoxication of lust and sex is a very good thing. God created it. When God created man and woman, when he created human beings, he created us to find pleasure in sex. Isn't that interesting? Other creatures on our planet don't have pleasure in sex. Human beings do. God created us for that pleasure. He created us to be intoxicated with our spouses. So God has created this beautiful relationship for that. And there's some amazing benefits to this. This is one cool thing, okay? I saw this statistic, and it was saying that, like, if you have seven or more sexual partners before your marriage, you have, like, a 50-plus percent chance of divorce. People say that's 50% for everybody, but if you choose one sexual partner for your life, the way of God, you have a 3 to 4% chance of a divorce. They don't talk about that, do they, right? So, so God has given a great path that is beautiful and to enjoy sex, and, and people that have sex in marriage have twice as much sex, they enjoy it more, they're happier. God has given us something incredible so we can choose that instead of sexual sin. But some of you are like, well, Matt, I'm single, or my sexuality doesn't fit with what you're talking about. Okay? And I know that you have a challenging path, but this is what God has said in his word. Um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, Now to the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried, as I do, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. There's always the option of marriage. But for the single people, I want to say this. Our society tells you the worst thing in the world is for you to be a 40-year-old virgin. But we worship a guy who was 33 years old, never had sex, never was married, and he died. A 33-year-old virgin. And he was the most perfect man that ever lived. Lived the fullest life and had the most joy ever. The path of singleness is a great and beautiful thing that God has given us. I'll have a different message on that for another day. But whether you're single or married, we all encounter sexual sin and desires in our life, right? And I'm giving you this whole message to help you, to protect your path, to teach you, I love you and want the best for you. I feel like this father talking to the son to all of you online and in person, that I want the best life for you. So protect your path. Don't go there. Don't go there. But some of you are like, well, Matt, I already went there. <laughs> I already went there. It's too late. I I am I just written off? I is my life just going to be ruined? Well, here's the great thing about our faith, is that when Jesus did come to our world, when he lived a perfect life, that he never even sinned in lust in his mind, let alone in action. Perfect man. He was a friend of sinners. That's what they called him. A friend of sexual sinners. He hung out with the prostitutes, the people who were choosing sex, sexual sin as, as a lifestyle, as, a, as their work. Jesus loved them and hung out with them. When there was the woman at the well who had already had five husbands and was now living with a sixth dude. Sexual sin, right? 
Jesus looked her in the eye. He talked with her when nobody else would. He loved her and he offered her the living water of eternal life. When a woman was caught in the middle of adultery, I don't want to, you know, don't imagine that scene right now. They bring her in the middle of the temple, throw her down, and they ask Jesus, who should throw the first stone to execute her because she has broken the law of God? Jesus said, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone until every one of those men walked away because they had all sinned. And Jesus, who was perfect and could have executed her, what did he say? He said, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. He even went up to the cross shedding his own blood to purchase our forgiveness and grace for sexual sinners like us. He loves sexual sinners. The whole message of the gospel is sinners, whatever your sin, past, present, and future, no matter how bad it is and how awful it is, come to Jesus and there is grace and forgiveness. And not just one time, but forever and ever for past, present, and future sin. So the message I want to leave with you if you're saying I've chosen the wrong path in my past or in my present is to repent and restart. In Jesus, there's always opportunity for forgiveness. Your sins are forgiven. Repent and restart today. Repent and restart again tomorrow when you fall again. Repent and restart whenever it is. And Jesus is always ready with open arms to forgive you and give you grace. Jesus is a friend to sexual sinners. Isn't that such good news? It's so good news, right? That we can repent and restart. And I want to encourage you because some of you need to repent and restart today. I know some of you are saying, hey, I've got to do this thing, God is leading me, I've got to do this thing to protect my path or to perfect the path of my family. Good, do it. Don't go there. (laughs) Don't go there. But for, I think a lot of us need to come here today and receive forgiveness afresh from Jesus Christ to repent and restart. And guess what? There's a new start today and every day. So we're going to sing a song here. The band is going to lead us in a song um, called um, Come to the Altar. Where, where we talk about the Father's arms being open wide, the forgiveness that was bought with the blood of Jesus Christ is here for you today. And I want to give you guys an opportunity as we sing this song to confess your sins to God, to repent and receive from him a restart today. And I'm going to be in, in the back during the song. If you want prayer during the song, I'm going to be back there. Sawyer's going to be back there. We'd love to pray with you and encourage you. So would you guys please pray with me? Lord God, um, we are a bunch of sinners. We have sinful thoughts and attitudes that in our hearts and in our minds and in our actions, every single one of us has sinned. And Lord God, with that in mind, we come to you, the only sinless, perfect, spotless lamb who was shed, who had his blood shed to purchase for us the forgiveness of our sins. So help us today repent, receive your grace and forgiveness, and restart. Lord God, I pray that you give the strength, that you give the courage to the men especially, but to the women, to everyone here, that they would be able to follow you on the path that's right, that leads to life. That when they go down that other path, that they would be able to repent quickly and restart again on the path of life. Lord God, most of all, we are so grateful for the forgiveness and grace we have every single day of our lives. Now with heads bowed still and eyes closed, there is maybe someone in here that has never put your faith in Jesus Christ. Guess what? Jesus is good. He loves you in the worst of your sins. And he is offering you today forgiveness and eternal life forever. So I want to give you an opportunity right now to say a prayer, to repeat after me, and you accept his gift of forgiveness, to declare Jesus your Lord and Savior, and to, to restart in your life today. So if you're already a believer, would you say this prayer out loud to give courage to someone here who needs to say it for the first time? 
Would you please now repeat this prayer after me? Dear God, I'm a sinner. I repent. I need a restart. Save me. Forgive me. I accept your gift of eternal life. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you and grow to be like you. Now, with eyes still closed, nobody's looking around. If you said that prayer for the first time, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior today for the first time, would you please slip your hand into the air? I'd love to just be encourage you on that. Slip your hand in the air. Nobody's looking. I just want to be able to pray for you and encourage you. If you're online, go to risedenver.com slash follow. Fill out that form so I can encourage you on this next journey. Um, Lord God, I pray for all of us. We come right now to the altar. We come now to Jesus Christ who died on the cross to forgive us of our sins. And we declare that we are sinners. We repent today. So give us that new restart so we can walk in the path of life forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen.